It's long enough. It's good. It's good. Michigan wins the game. Michigan shocks Washington, and the Wolverines are victorious. Thank you for listening to the Daily Sports Report on 88.3 FM Ann Arbor, where the puck drops here. Let's get lost tonight. You could be my black Kate Moss tonight. Play secretary on the ball tonight. And you don't give a f- what they all say, right? Awesome, the Christian and Christian Dior. Damn, they don't make them like this anymore. I ask, cause I'm not sure. Do anybody make real d- anymore? Bow in the presence of greatness. Cause right now, that has forsaken us. You should be honored by my lateness. That I would even show up to this fake. So go ahead, go nuts, go ace. Especially in my pastel on my paper. Act like you can't tell who made this new gospel. Homie, take six and take this. Hater. Coming directly from the Hilton Hotel. On top of the Hilton Hotel. For your entertainment pleasure. WCBN FM, Ann Arbor. If you're any further left, you'd be watching TV. Well, you're not watching television. You are listening to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. I was going to say I'm not Jim Dwyer, but I play him on TV. There you go. It would be uh, maybe appropriate sometime to have live video streaming while we do Gray Matters down here. Just so you can see our expressions when we crack our jokes. Well, it's coming down pretty good out there snow-wise, but uh, don't be confused. Uh, One important thing to remember about the state of Michigan uh, this time of year if the wind's coming from the northwest, those are flurries. Those are lake effect snows. And Ann Arbor is uh, sort of uh, in the least snowy spot in the state. Pretty much. Because that's a dominant northwest system. The water, i.e. Lake Michigan, big body of water, is warmer than the air. So the snow is created by the cold air hitting the water and cr- bringing snow up aloft. And that's why it looks horizontal. It looks worse than it is. It's those uh, fluffy little flakes called flurries. Uh, When we get serious snow in Michigan and Ann Arbor, it's a system coming up from the south, from the Gulf of Mexico, where the humid air uh, from the Gulf of Mexico, the hot humid air, collides with the cold snow. That's where you get your volume. That's where you get your volume. So when you see the systems in Michigan, pay attention to the flag. 
Well, and uh, the same is true with uh, storms that are coming out of the east. Those tend to be the ice storms. Yeah. And those uh, are uh, the most destructive of all. And you sometimes get that spin around with yeah. Michigan because of the water. But this is why Buffalo and Cleveland get so much uh, lake effect snow, because those are big major cities that are right on lakes. Mm. Warmer lakes than Lake Michigan, by the way, because Ontario and Erie are smaller, shallower lakes, much warmer. And in fact, uh, some years you'll see Lake Erie almost freeze up completely. Um, That rarely happens with Lake Michigan. In any event, uh, winter is here. I think uh, we can safely put fall into the the bank. And uh, uh, I always like winter at first. It gets a little tiresome by February. But uh, there's your weather uh, analysis. We do a little bit of everything down here on Gray Matters. Indeed. Uh, on that subject or in that uh, zone of uh, area, uh, seasonal things, a quick mention, uh, a lot of people complain, uh, those ostensibly r- devout religious people who are offended by the omission of the word Christ from seasonal greetings messages. Uh, on our family trip up for Sheboygan, we saw a, a billboard that said, I miss it when you say Merry Christmas, signed Jesus. Now, without going into some sort of (laughs) deconstructive commentary on the ludicrousy of that message, uh, one particular point of interest that listeners might want to equip themselves with as a ready response, one of the complaints from the know-nothing Christian crowd who are eager to denounce so-called non-believers and who are eager to see Christians as persecuted here in this country, which, of course, is absurd. Uh, the use of the term Xmas oh, yes. in written uh, messages and so forth, uh, mistakenly seen by some as a sort of shorthand for Christmas, or in even more conspiratorial tones, as an attempt to erase Christ from Christmas. This is simply the Greek... And Christos, Christos is a Greek word and uh, used to be written with the X. There you go. Xmas, in fact, is not an omission of Christ. Uh, It's not an erasure of the name. It's simply the Greek initial. And uh, it's uh, ignorance, which sees it as a slap in the face of our blessed Lord. Well, yeah, and this is one of those phony uh, cultural cultural war items uh, brought up by the far right. Uh, so meaningless, yet yeah. blown out of all proportion. Blown out of all proportion, and of course it ignores the fact that, that Christmas in America is almost over-celebrated. I mean, I don't know when the first decorations come out, but sometimes they seem to appear uh, right after Halloween, and of course the economy... All revolves around Black Friday and how many people are out there shopping and what was the you know the volume of online sales on so-called uh, Cyber Monday and it just goes on and on. So it's it's there's no uh, uh, shall we say uh, under uh, reporting or understating anything about Christmas. Christmas is. Uh, with us every year. About as uh, culturally ingrained in the mainstream as you could be. It, indeed. And, it's uh, hardly repressed or hidden. Hardly repressed and certainly not uh, forgotten uh, or ignored. Uh, this is just another example of fake uh, fakery. There's no other word for it. 
And, of course, there's always plenty of fakery to go around. Um, we're talking about climate. It's interesting that the um, global climate change uh, conference is going on in Cancun, I think, mm. uh, uh, for a second week this week regarding uh, issues involving climate change. A couple of weeks ago, they had a very interesting story in the New York Times about uh, the city of Norfolk, West Virginia, which is an area of big uh, naval um, bases here for the American military, but it's uh, sinking into the ocean. And Norfolk is going to be at the, I, I think the data they had was something like it's it's basically sunk uh, about 14 to 18 inches since the 1930s. This is documented science yep. that shows that the seas are uh, slowly rising and uh, this will certainly have consequences uh, in upcoming decades, and it's a little troubling to me when we get deficit commission reports talking about Social Security in 2075, when in 2075 uh, we're, we're going to be looking at a very different world, unfortunately. And it's 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 really connected to uh, the continued uh, growth of uh, Greenhouse gases, more population, more people, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think this year or possibly next year, one or the other, uh, China will surpass the United States not only in terms of total greenhouse uh, gases admitted, but also in auto sales. Uh, more auto sales in China annually than the United States. So uh, there are serious problems, and it's fascinating to me that— uh, about 14 to 15 percent of the population have changed their opinion on so-called uh, climate change, and this is because of the unrelenting propaganda of the uh, fossil fuel industry um, perpetually creating uh, the false dichotomy, you know, that this right. is a political debate, that there are two sides to the story, uh, false equivalents, th this sort of thing, and this is all nonsense. The science is unambiguous. Uh, glaciers are melting, sea the seas are rising, and uh, the greenhouse gas uh, volume in the atmosphere is increasing. So uh, it's interesting that the theme of this year's Cancun conference is uh, sort of... Uh, Scaling back on the ambitions regarding global warming, cap-and-trade may have been a political mistake uh, by the Democrats in the last couple of years regarding legislation and all of the debates that uh, were had regarding the subject um, in terms of winning anything or accomplishing anything. And unfortunately, in tougher economic times, uh, societies tend to uh, be unwilling to... Uh, deal with these uh, problems. But what's clear about any future global warming or climate change initiatives is that this is going to have to really, at the end of the day, be a bilateral agreement between China and uh, the United States. And if there's anything that's most troubling to me regarding our national position on this subject, it's that China is now spending twice what the United States is on green technology. Yeah, I've got that article right in front of me here. This is uh, Fiona Harvey's uh, environmental correspondent for the Financial Times. Uh, China spent a record amount on its wind power industry in the last quarter. Uh, the country's spending in the second quarter of 2010 was about $10 billion, <clears throat> about half the global total. Um, the U.S. is falling behind, owing to, uh, quote, continued repercussions of the financial crisis, low gas prices, 
There's a big kicker for U.S. consumption. And the uncertain medium to long-term policy environment. Uh, leaping to the uh, conclusion here, China's investment across the whole clean technology sector reached $13.5 billion in the third quarter of this year, compared with the $8.4 billion for all of Europe. So this is a major... Uh, Feather in the uh, Chinese cap. They're investing in the future. The rest of the world is behind. Behind uh, Europe on in, in some some specific countries have actually done a fairly good job. I know that Denmark, for instance, which of course is very small, uh, is uh, has invested a lot in wind and uh, wave. Oh, and they're well positioned for that technology. Uh, in the, uh, you know. Ex- with all that peninsular uh, wind action here, yeah. just as we've been saying Michigan is. Uh, and, of course, the Scandinavian countries are well known for their fairly high tax rates, but their comprehensive social spending. Yeah, and when you see like a day like today where there's a brisk north wind that makes it seem rather cold out there, if the wind turbines were there, that would augment the uh, energy supply, the electrical supply uh, for the uh, state of Michigan. And the region in general. And, of course, if uh, our uh, cars go in the direction of, of electric uh, orientation, for instance, GM, with a lot of fanfare, has introduced the uh, Volt uh, recently. Uh, this is a, a big uh, technological jump by General Motors. As, and, and Nissan, for the record, has a the Leaf out there, I think is what it's called. And it's an all-electric vehicle, by the way. It's one of those things that's not a hybrid. The GM vehicle, by the way, is an electric vehicle for the first 50 miles. So it's perfectly designed for that short commute to work, for yep. instance. You can get to work, get home, not worry about it, recharge. But if you need to go on the proverbial road trip uh you can do that because it switches over to gas that's a great thing but obviously the price of a of a, of a volt and i don't know what they're priced at at the moment that uh, um number uh it's just not on my uh well, card I mean, here that's but that's the sort of thing that uh back in the day you could have uh, municipal governments buy quantities of things like that and that's what brings the price down eventually is is there going to be some sort of uh, state, local, or federal government investment in the corporations who do come forward with these improved technologies? And of course, you can create carports uh, as right. they are out in California that are that serve as charging stations while people are at work uh, while the car is parked uh, for eight hours. You can yep. recharge your car. So uh, there are those. That's solar technology for the record, and certainly more needs to be done in. All sorts of uh, areas like that. Uh, just an interesting old clipping that I wanted to read here regarding the rapid rise of uh, the seas. It's interesting. This is from the 16th of April, 2009, by uh, Andrew C. Refkin of the New York Times, who's done most of the global warming storm uh, stories over the last decade. He writes, evidence from fossil coral reefs in Mexico underlines the potential for a sudden jump in sea level because of global warming. The study being published Thursday in the journal Nature, and this is obviously an old uh, clipping, suggests that a sudden rise of six and a half to 10 feet occurred within a span of 50 to 100 years, about 121,000 uh, years ago at the end of the last warm interval between ice ages. Hmm. Now, of course, that warming 
back 121,000 years ago. We have no idea what caused that, but it uh, is quite likely that uh, the uh, Earth was probably struck by a large meteorite of some sort that created, or, or volcanoes, or another right. possibility, massive volcanoes. We don't know what caused that, uh, but uh, this is the kind of science uh, that is, uh, of course, denounced uh, for bizarre reasons by the political right almost daily in this country. Um, Dr. Science, he knows more than you, right? <laughs> yes, uh, ask Dr. Science. He knows more than you. And uh, this sort of uh, paleoclimatology uh, sort of stuff, we need more research into it so that we gain greater understanding of it. Of course, biblical literists uh, believe that the earth was created 4,000 years ago. Right, and that there will be no further flooding because... It says in the book, God promised that there wouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> well. Until the end times. But that's a different reading of a different book. And it doesn't take much of an imagination to sort of contemplate what devastating consequences would emerge if uh, the sea levels rose five feet yeah. over 50 to 100 year period. Uh, most of the world's population lives along coastlines. Uh it would be uh, catastrophic. Catastrophic in terms of moving people. And, of course, the, the, the planet is adding 80 million people every year. And this, by the way, is one of those unaddressed subjects regarding job uh, uh, issues here in the United States. Let's face it. Labor, particularly unskilled labor, is not scarce. It's readily abundant and is part of the explanation for why so many... Um, shall we say, lower-skilled or manufacturing jobs have uh, gone overseas in addition to the disastrous policies of the U.S. government. Speaking of people that don't believe in science, uh, Mitch McConnell has successfully blocked yeah. the, uh, um, the extension of the, the tax cuts for people up uh, on, on incomes up to $250,000 over the weekend. They also blocked another bill that would have extended the tax cuts up to a million dollars, the Charles Schumer proposal. It's my understanding that there has been a late-breaking late agreement between the White House and uh, the Congress regarding a compromise bill in which, unfortunately, Obama has sort of well, once again, maybe been a little bit outmaneuvered, sort of boxed himself in because he promised those tax cuts to um, people under $250,000. And it's once again the filibuster, abuse of the filibuster that's uh, at play here. Uh, and it's very unfortunate. Now, the compromise agreement, I don't have all the details, but it's my understanding is basically going to consist of a... Uh, two-year extension of the quote-unquote Bush tax cuts. There's going to be some sort of child tax credit, a payroll tax holiday of sorts for one year, and a variety of other uh, goodies that, of course, are going to add massive quantities to the deficit. Tax cuts do not create jobs, as the last decade has proven. They redistribute wealth, and they create deficits. So it's remarkable that in the midst of the deficit commission report that, of course, is just a sort of a, you know, Dead Sea scroll, so to speak, <laughs> that people can look at, um, is just totally ignored. And it's interesting that uh, $60 billion, which is basically uh, what we're talking about here in adding to the deficit, 
uh, David Leinhart of the New York Times had a very interesting analysis of $60 billion. Uh, by the way, the $60 billion also represents, for the record, the increase in the cost of the veterans' budget, the Veterans oh, Administration okay. budget, yeah, yeah. between 1999 and 2009. This is just one element of what the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan have cost. Uh, the VA budget in 1999 was about $20 billion. Now it's a, it's close to $80 billion a year. And it doesn't really uh, meet the needs. Yeah. And it's kind of a scrimping program, even at that uh, expanded rate. Doesn't go away. But just to give you an idea, um, regarding $60 billion, uh, this would be a tripling of federal funding for f medical research. Universal preschool for all three- and four-year-olds with relatively small class sizes. National infrastructure to repair bridge, roads, uh, roads water systems, etc. A 15% tax cut for corporations. Twice as much money for clean energy research as suggested by the recent bipartisan plan. Free college, including room and board, for about half of all full-time students at both four- and two-year colleges. A $500 tax cut for all households. But why invest in the future when you can pose and... Uh you know, recite political rhetoric now. I yeah. Mean, these same Republicans who position themselves rhetorically as populists. I mean, how can anybody who uh, absorbs that message look at this decision to extend tax cuts for those who make over a million dollars? I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't personally know anyone, personally know them, that is, of course, who makes over 250000 I wonder how many Americans do. Very few. Um, very few indeed. Because there aren't many. You know, the, the big money is in the corporate uh, echelons, uh, the entertainment industry, of course, and, uh, you know, uh, the average working person uh, never gets near that kind of sum total, maybe even over an entire career. And this, of course, is Oliver Twist and Mr. Bumble in reverse. It's yeah. instead of the orphan asking for more, it's... Uh, it's rich people, and this is extraordinary. Uh, for instance, uh, in the December uh, 13th edition of The Nation uh, magazine, an article by Leon Friedman, a professor of constitutional law at Hofstra, talks about a variety of uh, things here, but proposes a uh, wealth tax, notes that the as a result of the Reagan tax cuts in the 80s and the Bush tax cuts of 2001-2003, the top 1% of the population now own 35% of the total wealth. They owned 20.5% in 79. The next 4% own 27% of the wealth. So together, the top 5% own 62% of the total wealth. Please, sir, we need more. Actually, many of the wealthy are not clamoring for more. Many of them, including responsible yeah. wealthy people like Warren Buffett, and uh, Bill Gates's father and even Bill Gates have denounced these tax cuts for the rich. This is fiscally irresponsible. It's mind-boggling. And yet, in two years, mark my words, you will hear the Republicans campaigning on the deficit. <laughs> yeah. It's extraordinary. Now, politically for Obama, a two-year temporary extension, which sounds like the gist of the deal in extending the so-called Bush tax cuts, it's not going to hurt him. He's running for re-election. So politically for him, 
he's allowed to keep a campaign promise. He will, of course, temporarily anger uh, some liberals in the base. But I think it proves once and for all, he ain't a socialist. <laughs> uh, but there's no reason that they'll stop denouncing him as one. Because yeah. they... Uh... Birch Society uh, and uh, Republican Party uh, official memos will just continue the same uh, marching orders. And, of course, the jobless report from this past week. Not good. Not good, but possibly misleading. But if you go back and you check uh, when Obama took over versus uh, what was going on before he was in, in power, it's there, there has been improvement. It's minimal. It's small. It's slow. But Americans need to get over this idea that our economy is supposed to grow at 4 or 5% a year. Eternally. It's not supposed to. We don't have the population uh, increases, fortunately, for that to occur. Um, and, uh, you know, when you, when you kind of look at some of the details, it's interesting that the private sector added 50,000 jobs. Manufacturing eliminated 13,000 jobs. Um, the retail sector uh, cut a uh, 28,000 uh, jobs, and uh, 14,000 jobs were cut from local governments, which, of course, are going to be increasingly under pressure, both at the state and local level, to cut government jobs. You hear this endlessly now from the Republican Party. So there, there's a kind of a Dr. Doolittle push-me-pull-you yeah. problem here. We have horses going in opposite directions and they're going nowhere. Well, I mean, you could argue that one of the fatal flaws of capitalism is this sort of structural need for a percentage of growth every year after year after year. Um, and it's just not, it doesn't work that way. And the real problem in America at the moment in a mature industrialized, almost a post-industrial society at, at some level is, mm. is, the, is the distribution of wealth, the maldistribution right. of it. When you give tax cuts to, to lower-income people or you extend jobs benefits, and this may be part of the uh, this tax cut uh, agreement that's uh, apparently uh, being announced as we speak. In fact, if Obama were uh, politically astute, he would interrupt the national news uh, tonight, the national broadcast news, to have a press conference. Reagan did this so magnificently yeah. when he announced we... We're back. We're invading Grenada or we're bombing Libya <laughs> to uh, soothe the, the, the hawks in our, our midst. Um, but he needs to point out what the facts were on this on this recent debate, who stood for who, yeah. when and what were the arguments. And uh, nobody can take the uh, GOP seriously. They have created massive deficits of trillions of dollars uh, in readjusting our income here in the United States. And I hate to say it, rich, uh, idle people in Newport, uh, Rhode Island, and Palm Springs and whatnot are not going to create jobs for people in the Midwest. It's just, it's just a myth. It's, uh, the, the, this is the, these are the priorities that are completely wrong in our country. And I would also like to point out for the record that the uh, Iraq Afghanistan wars are costing $160 billion a year right now, or um, well over uh, uh, two and a half times this $60 billion that we uh, symbolically discussed, uh, uh, citing uh, David Leinart's yeah. uh, examples of priorities. It's really about the priorities of government. What are they? What, sh what should they be? It's not the role of government, it's what 
are the priorities? Where should we spend money and why? There's such a, there's no other word for it really, but stinginess with regards to uh, giving working people a bit of a break. <laughs> I mean, everybody talks that during the election cycle, but uh, the, the tax uh, breaks never seem to go that way. I mean, those are the people who actually spend that money, infuse it into the economy, and, uh, you know, the, the wealthy invest in intangibles yeah. and in paper and in speculation. And uh, the average consumer uh, gets a Christmas bonus, buys some items with it, maybe saves some. Uh, but there's a more of an infusion into the economy itself when the average Joe... Uh, gets a bit of a break. Gets a bit of a break, and and a, a recent study by the uh, Congressional Budget Office, as well as the Council of Economic Advisors, point out that tax cuts for the rich are the least effective way of spending government money because it's essentially a giveaway to right. them. They are going to save the money or eh, buy another diamond ring, uh, possibly, but uh, the the records show that when lower-income people are given tax cuts or tax rebates or tax credits, whatever you, you, you want to call it, that money is spent immediately. That's a stimulus, which, of course, has turned into a uh, bad word, <laughs> a word verboten uh, that needs to maybe be tossed into the ash bin of history, along with the, the Ronald Reagan uh, um, Tax cuts. And one of the problems with Mitch McConnell that I keep having is that this is not a man on a bully pulpit. He is a pulpit of being a bully. He's basically a bully. He obstructs everything. And next year, what I hope happens is that the Democrats, who still are going to control the Senate, but are not going to are going to have even less votes than they have now, uh, should use some. uh, obstructionism to prevent any Republican uh, House legislation from being passed. If there were 385 bills passed by the House that died in the Senate, well, what's uh, all fair in love and war? It's time to let it happen again, only it's the Democrats that should object and uh, obstruct. (laughs) Say no, we're not going to pass bills that aren't paid for. That's what's absurd about this debate, this recent debate. The Republicans demanded that the unemployment, extension of unemployment benefits be, quote, paid for. Right. But didn't demand that of the tax cuts for the rich that, in fact, were five times more. It's incredible. Well, there's really no logic or reason to it. It's all posture and uh, bad theater. Yeah. Pretty much. Looks like we're coming up on the 7 o'clock hour, and uh, Yazoo City Calling will be uh, arriving shortly. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Uh, Just in what could be the final minutes of the program, I want to quickly mention that this Wednesday is, of course, the 30th anniversary of the murder of John Lennon, assassination, as some would say. Uh, I don't really want to speculate on uh, that particular angle at the moment. But I do want to remind listeners of a book that came out in 1999 by John Weiner, uh, Give Me Some Truth, the John Lennon FBI Files. and uh, A longtime uh, nation uh, correspondent who had a lot of articles while working on that book about the John Lennon 
situation. Yeah, and uh, he's a professor as well at the uh, University of California, Irvine. Um, but uh, this book is about more than simply the Nixon, Nixon administration and the FBI's surveillance of John Lennon. It's also a really instructive guide into the process of the Freedom of Information Act. Mm -hmm. um, you see the documents that have emerged and uh, the large ch 